podcast is brought to you by America Online, now hiring designers in Silicon Valley, New York City, and the Washington, D.C. area. Help us set the standard for what happens next on the web. Send your resume to uijobs at aim.com today. Looking for inspiration and ideas from other colleagues from all over the world? Be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. At the 2007 IA Summit in Las Vegas, Bill Weatherall wields the mic as he explores how Tom Wales and his team at Yahoo turned the normal design process on its head. They were successful, Wales says, because they work small and crafty while being inclusive in useful ways. If you're in a position where a new approach might reignite creativity and effectiveness in your organization, check out Tom's thoughtful approach. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. Hi, this is Bill Weatherall. I'm from AOL and here with Tom Wales from Yahoo. Tom, you gave a great, inspiring talk, I felt, today. And maybe you could talk to us a little bit about uh, what innovation is like on your project at Yahoo. What innovation is like? I, I, I think the, there's a couple of key things that uh, we were trying to get across in the talk. Uh, one of them is that we've completely reversed our process um, in order to be more creative and more innovative. And we used to do piles of documentation, all the traditional stuff, requirements, documents, spend ages going through those with the team and iterating wireframes, flows, all your usual suspects. But one, uh, that is tedious for everyone. <laughs> so it's just not much fun. And uh, I think perhaps because it's not fun, it's not conducive to creativity either, which is very important. And it's not very energizing. So people in the team are not inspired. And if you're not having fun, you're not energized, and you're not being as creative as you could be, then you're just not going to do such good work. Um, so we're still working through this. Like we said in the talk, we don't ha we haven't figured out here is the methodology. This is how you should do it. Um, so again, maybe I should emphasize more in the talk. I think I'd encourage people to just play with the process try new things. Don't be afraid to try new things. Mix it up. Um, but I think the important thing is first obviously start with the customers and the users and really try to understand their needs and whether that's through uh, field studies or market research or you know, in our case a combination of different things. Mm -hmm. And from that then go straight into ideation and as soon as possible start visualizing those ideas. And so that's really the, the core of what we we're talking about today, visualizing ideas in different ways, whether that's through uh, storyboards to talk about from the user's perspective or prototyping and simulations to really show what the product feels like. And then it's only after that, once you've uh, figured out what the core ideas are going to be and you've got a good sense for the feel of those core ideas and the experience, then if necessary, you can go into um, detailing out all the the edge cases and things through wireframing and the rest of it. So they're very much secondary documentation for us now. And the primary documentation is uh, prototyping and storyboarding and things like that. During your experience at Yahoo, did you did you find any opponents to the process? Or were there any people that maybe you didn't sit too well with or really ruffled some feathers? Um, well, one thing I, I should sort of note is that this is just what we're doing in our team at Yahoo. And uh, Yahoo, there are many, many teams, and each team has a different culture, a different way of doing things. Um, so what we're doing is not really like probably any of the other teams at Yahoo. Uh, 
um, and they're all a bit different. So that's just one thing to know. Um, in terms of, I, th I think that's one reason why we decided not to uh, really press too hard too early mm -hmm. to go into this uh, big ideation phase was to minimize the chance of resistance because uh, people don't want to it's, it's all that fear stuff you know I don't want to have to think well am I going to derail all these other projects am I going to have to divert resources so that was a big reason why we sort of played it out that way mm -hmm. let it sort of build over time this this idea that we really should do something to clarify the bigger vision, the overall goal that we're shooting for. So that was just the approach we took in that situation, okay. uh, as well as those sort of small successes that uh, entail very little risk. You know, you just take in a couple of resources for a day or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a much easier sell because what the hell, you know, it's just a day. Yeah, you you and Kevin talked a lot about um, doing small things and saying small things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, again, I think that was um, a reaction against um, what we've seen other people try to do, where, where you feel like if you have a big idea, like in this example, we re really need to change the whole roadmap of the product. We need to really figure out what the vision of the product is, which is quite a big thing. Um, and then when you have overall this sort of big thing, you feel like you need some big event, whether that's a, a you know big presentation in front of key stakeholders or, or, and the problem with that is is one, I think you're more likely to encounter resistance for a variety of reasons, and two, it just ends up being um, it sort of inhibits you as well because it becomes this big burdensome thing that you've got to create and then it's like when do I find the time and oh my god I've got to get it just right you know because this is my one big swing for the fences kind of thing so all this pressure on yourself um, which actually makes you, you fearful as well um, oh what if I don't do a good job of it I'll just look stupid or you know I'll miss my opportunity so you know again there's internal fears and pressures and everyone can come up with a laundry list of why they can't do something um, so yeah, I think that's why we wanted to start small and let it build, uh, and then and then let it become part of the team culture. Because a lot of this is about fostering the right culture in the team to be creative, be comfortable with creativity and innovation. It's not just about the designers doing that; it's about everyone participating in that process and feeling and having a culture like that. Uh, I mean, actually, on that note, since you're talking about culture, um, how do you decide or, or do you decide who um, is on this sort of innovation team or is everyone involved? Uh, what we tried to do in our case was involve as many people as possible, at least in some way. So, for example, the brainstorms, that was wide open. It was, we just uh, literally had a, we used Twiki pages internally where, um, so we used those as sort of sign-up sheets um, and just spammed everyone with email about what we were going to do and it was really sort of first come first serve you just sign up on the page and it was open to everyone of course there's sort of always going to be key people that you would really like to get involved so you might spend extra time kind of hounding them to make sure they show up but but it was important that everyone on the team should feel like they had an opportunity to be heard because I think um, 
what is not conducive to really creating the right culture is if you start having this sort of us and them there's the sort of elite tiger team that's doing all the brainstorming and figuring out all the ideas and then there's just you know all the production monkeys who are putting it into action and the, and the thing is it was like that opening session the um, Joshua with with the architecture stuff where you really need everyone to be involved in the process because everyone's going to end up owning it every engineer uh, every product manager to make the, the, the final product right everyone's going to have to be creative and, and problem-solving throughout the process until the final sort of in our case pixel is delivered mm -hmm. or the final line of code so it's not enough just to say, here's a great idea. Oh, you non-idea people, you go and implement it. They've got to feel ownership of that idea, and they've got to be applying their creativity to actually implementing it. Um, you know, there's definitely been, it seems like, a popularization of sort of Scrum and Agile processes like that. So where, where, if at all, do you see what you're doing and in, in innovation in general fitting into that kind of a world? Um, I think this has definitely been a struggle uh, for designers and user experience people working with Scrum and Agile. Uh, I'm not an expert in Scrum and Agile, but my understanding is it's, it really um, evolved out of um, more engineering needs for building products. And there's a lot of sensible reasons to break a, a project up into lots of small little parts that individually work rather than you sort of work for months and months and months and then it's all supposed to come together magically, you know, on one sort of day before launch kind of thing, which is quite risky. So it's, it's a way of minimizing risk. But it's a problem for designers for, the, for exactly the reason that we illustrated today, in that each individual piece might make sense, but if you don't, but there's in the Scrum process, that there's, it's not very clear often where you decide what the overall vision is. Um, and there, there have been people who've talked about Scrum zeros and things like that where you exp and this is what we've uh, done uh, lately, uh, where you set aside some time at the beginning before you go into the scrums of really making sure you've got clarity of vision. And then you can execute even from a design point of view as well as engineering as you go through the scrums. So I think scrum is useful for executing, mm -hmm. um, but you really need to start out with that overall vision so you know where it's going and you know what it's going to add up to. And it's not going to be, it's got to be more than the sum of the parts to really be compelling. It seemed like you, you guys come out with less UI uh, at the end and more um, storyboards or um, conceptual pieces. And, and how do you see that uh, in comparison to you know, your, your sort of other process that you used to deal with where you would sort of deliver wireframes and deliverables? And, uh, can you explain the difference a little bit and you know, maybe some challenges you see between those two worlds? It's funny that you said less because that, that iceberg metaphor that uh, you saw there, that came out of, um, we had, uh, we have various uh, user experience team meetings for, you know, broadly across Yahoo. And we were presenting some of the work that we'd done in storyboarding, uh, a little snippet of you saw today. And one of the designers, he wasn't on our team, he was uh, on the search team. And, uh, you know, at the end of it, he said, oh, I, I don't really see much design work there. And, you know, I was actually pretty astonished that a designer would say that. Uh, and so I sort of went a bit Basil Fawlty on him and did a whole, this iceberg thing on the, the whiteboard saying, look, you know, this is what you're seeing as the output, but this, there's a ton of stuff and every designer knows this that goes on underneath the water to get to that thing that you see above the water. 
Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a problem that we have less output. I think, frankly, a lot of the output that we have traditionally, whether it's in consulting or in-house, is propaganda. It is propaganda for designers or information architects. It, 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 what it mainly communicates, if you're being harsh, is saying, I'm really clever, you're getting a lot for your money, and you know that because you don't really understand this document very well and you certainly don't understand very well how it was created mm. so gosh it must be worthwhile having me around mustn't it um, you know and that's kind of that's just bullshit um, so I don't have a problem that there's quote unquote less design delivered at the end um, you know the, the main goal should be creating the most compelling product or experience and really how you get there is incidental and I certainly don't think that, that wireframes and flows are a really good place to start that. Again, there's a place for them, I think, in the process, but certainly not at the heart of the process. And that's the problem that we had, and, and we realized that it just wasn't working. I, it wasn't working creatively to figure out the problems, and it wasn't working in terms of communicating. So, so that's why we flipped it. How much of uh, this process at, um, at Yahoo was stealth? was behind the scenes or was it all um, you, you talked about transparency did everyone know this was going on or were there cases where you had to I guess play it a little subtly as opposed to, just to get it done I think there's a bit of both and uh, we did show a, a couple of different examples like there were there was that design day example and the field day example that were very public they weren't hiding anything and we were actively encouraging participation that was the point of those things was to involve everyone else in in those processes and also demystify it mm -hmm. saying look okay you think you can't draw in the design day example it doesn't matter you find a way the only rule for that was you had to express your idea visually no sort of long wordy lists describing your idea just show it visually scratch out a storyboard or um, show it as some rough prototype do something that visually conveys the idea uh, the field day thing was you know the goal was not to convert engineers and uh, QA people or PR people into expert ethnographers uh, it's not needed really it was saying look this, this, at its base it's not rocket science it's just about let's get out and talk to our customers and see them in their own environment and see things from their point of view that's it and then uh, the deliverable at the end was you know you saw a little snippet of that as just creating a poster so, so some of them were very public, but then there was that other example where Kevin had a little bit of, you know, kind of slack time in his schedule. And so that was a case of, well, let's just take it. Why sort of ask permission? Is it okay? Let's just do it. It doesn't matter. You know, let's go off for a couple of days and, you know, who cares? And then if it had been a disaster for what he'd come back with was rubbish, you know, if, internally if we decided it was rubbish, well, no big deal. Just, you know, sweep it under the carpet and no big deal. So I think you can mix and match. Um, but then there's also the other big point about this starting small conversations, which is really to start triggering ideas in other people. So it's not you bellowing a message to everyone else. It's you you're just transmitting the message quietly and letting it spread and grow. And you can start reinforcing it more as time goes on. But in the end, hopefully, if the idea has merit, uh, so it's a good way to actually test your idea. If it really does start blossoming in the, the organization, in, like in our case, uh, we had we stopped talking about it. We didn't have to because everyone else was saying, "When are you going to do this? We really need to do it," and we didn't have to do any big fancy presentation or you know 
bang the table or anything like that. So I think, I think again, experiment with different methods. And each situation is going to be a bit different. Each company is going to be a bit different. So try some stealth. Try some things where you just go and do something and don't tell anyone. Um, try small activities which are public and do involve people. Uh, and try small conversations. Or you could even try a big presentation if that's, you know, for whatever reason you think it's going to work. So just mix it up. And don't feel there's one way to do things. Great. Hey, Tom, thank you so much for talking to us today. Okay, thanks very much for your time. <laughs>